Hello and welcome to Truth in Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth in Journalism, we're going to talk about courage. Our story is from Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun and is entitled, Calling Them Nazis, Pastor Kicks Police Out of Church at Easter. Pastor Artur Pavlovsky said he called law enforcement Nazis because it looked like the kind of armed raid of his church at Easter he had heard about as a kid in Poland. I grew up under communism and my grandparents lived under the Nazis, said the Calgary pastor. My family escaped the communists in Poland and went first to Greece and then to Canada to get away from it. There were millions of Jewish people murdered in Poland, including at Auschwitz. Calgary police said in a statement that there was a concern that Pavlovsky and his The Fortress Cave of Adullam congregation were not adhering to the government's COVID-19 public health orders. A video of the Saturday incident shows the pastor telling authorities to get out of this property while calling officials Nazis as well as Gestapo and communists as he demanded they not return without a warrant. He received numerous tickets during the COVID-19 pandemic, Pavlovsky tells the Toronto Sun. He drew the line at guns in his church. This is a place of worship and no place for weapons, said the 48-year-old pastor, husband, and father of three who is a street pastor in Calgary his home since coming to Canada in 1995. We have people praying here. They were scaring the kids. This was Passover. This is Easter. Growing up with this history, he said, evokes horrible memories. I was a witness to the beatings during the Solidarity Movement, he said. My grandparents told me about those who were just following orders. In a news release, Calgary Police explained one uniformed member of the Calgary Police Service attended a call to assist our partner agencies, Alberta Health Services and City of Calgary Bylaw Services, in relation to a religious gathering being held at the street church. Calgary Police said, in attending public services, private homes, and businesses, we continue to strive for voluntary compliance with public health orders where that makes sense. Going into a church over Easter weekend did not make any sense to Pavlovsky. The organizer of the gathering was uncooperative with the health inspector and repeatedly raised his voice asking all parties to leave the premises, which they did approximately one minute after entry in a peaceful manner, said police. No tickets were issued at the time, and it will be up to our partner agencies to determine subsequent enforcement activity in response to this situation. The pastor says his church has had no cases of COVID-19. What's coming next? Instead of more escalation, they could just give Pavlovsky his ticket Tuesday after the holy celebrations are over if authorities believe the church violated public health orders. Alimer police have taken this approach with Church of God pastor Henry Hildebrandt by going to his house during the week. Brantford police Saturday waited until a demonstration of 2,000 people unveiling a new anti-lockdown billboard was over and pulled over Hildebrandt to issue his ticket on the way out of town. Whether or not people agree with ticketing clergy and congregates who attend religious services in violation of COVID-19 orders, de-escalation tactics avoid embarrassing viral videos like this one or the takedown with stun guns deployed of a young man playing shinny hockey on a Calgary rink. There's got to be a better way. It needs to be said because it feels like things are escalating there because this is the same pastor who's had conflict with police over him feeding the homeless in Calgary during this pandemic. I am trying to stop suicides and help people in despair, said Pavlovsky. I just want to be left alone. I just want to be able to do my job and try to help people and save lives. The authorities just want him to follow the provincial laws. Perhaps, now that Easter is over, they can sit down together away from a place of worship and talk about it with no guns and no names called. Ah, the sweet, sweet naivete of the naive. 
Mr. Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun wants to know why the Calgary police can't just sit down and talk politely with the pastor. Because they don't want to. Because they want to invade people's homes and private businesses and houses of worship and display force. Totalitarians love shows of force. Bullies and thugs love shows of force. Secret police love busting in and whisking people away. They love random surprise arrests because you've been denounced. Brothers and sisters, multiple people. People with guns and the right to use them and rob you of your civil liberties. Multiple people showed up prepared to arrest Pastor Pavlovsky because he was denounced by some good little fascist whose bitter little heart couldn't stand that somewhere out there someone was doing something they didn't like. And so the police showed up. But unlike the vast majority of people who are cowards and just roll over like beaten hounds, Pastor Pavlovsky didn't just roll over. He told them to show up with a warrant. He told them to leave. And he called them Nazis, Gestapo, and Communists. And he was right to. Not because the Calgary police believe in the tenets of National Socialism, and not because of a moral equivalency between church shutdowns and the Holocaust, but because they're acting how the German secret police did. They are enforcing arbitrary and evil laws as naked shows of force. They are controlling people's lives for no other reason than to control them. These are the O'Briens of the world. People who believe what, what, what Orwell's O'Brien says. And he says... Power is inflicting pain and humiliation. Power is tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Power is not a means, it is an end. One does not establish a dictatorship in order to safeguard a revolution. One makes the revolution in order to establish the dictatorship. The object of persecution is persecution. The object of torture is torture. The object of power is power. What Orwell saw and understood and tried to tell us through O'Brien in 1984 is that people who long for power don't want to make your lives better. They may lie to themselves to hide their real passion from themselves, but the power-hungry want power because they want power. The power-hungry want to have power over others because they delight in having power over others. Power is not a means to an end. It is the end in itself. Humiliation, shaming, harassment, wreck and ruin. These are not unfortunate side effects of having power. These are the entire point of power for the godless. The godless, when they get power, they get what they want. Again, they, they may deceive themselves into thinking that they want to make people's lives better or they want to order society, but they don't. What they want is to control other people, to reduce them to cringing, subservient objects because dominating another personality is the driving force behind the power hungry. God is power. God doesn't seek power. He is power. And all power and authority come from him. But God does not exercise power like Satan and his children do. God exercises power to make all creatures like himself. He wants to eternally lift up and invite in. God wants to expand the community of the Trinity. Satan does not wish to share power or enjoy community. He does not want fellowship. He wants slaves. God wants to take slaves and make them sons. Satan wants to make his sons his slaves. God is eternally lifting up. Satan is eternally stomping down. And Orwell saw that, or at least he saw that in humanity. That's what happens. Orwell saw that what really, deep down underneath it all, what motivates the power hungry is power itself. The insatiable desire to dominate another person. Not to kill. Killing is a domination that comes once and then it's over. Forcing people to live in a world of constant, unceasing, known lies and humiliations, that's domination. But making people believe lies, making people believe things that are patently and obviously and demonstrably false, that's power. 
That's power that can be exercised and exalted in every moment of every day. The power hungry in the Canadian government wish to rejoice in their own power by forcing people to wear a mask. And wearing a mask is a little thing. It's just such a tiny little thing. And it might protect people. So why not just give in, right? That's what everybody thinks. Except here's the problem. Tell me why we shouldn't wear a mask for all of cold and flu season. Why not wear it all the time? I mean, nobody knows what communicable diseases they themselves are carrying. And you surely have no clue what illnesses the people around you are spreading. Why not mask up every moment of every day? Why not make it a federal law? Why not? If you're a pro-masker, and if you think that forcing people to wear masks in public is a legitimate exercise of government power, then you have no reason for it to stop now. There is no rational or reasonable endpoint. If you advocated the school lockdowns, then you have no room to reject school lockdowns for the flu. More kids die of the flu than COVID. That's irrefutable. And while we're giving these unelected and unaccountable health agencies plenary power over our social and economic lives, why not expand their powers? Why are they limited to the Rona? Why can't they prevent us from doing anything they think is a risk to public health? I mean, we need to trust the science, guys, because we believe science. And why not have vaccine passports? And why limit to COVID vaccines? Why not passports on your voting record? Because if you vote for the wrong kinds of people, you're a racist and racism is a public health crisis. Maybe you need a psych evaluation every three months and you can only get a psych clearance passport if you show up at some bureaucrat's office every 90 days. I mean, we have to stop mass shootings and how else but to know someone's mental health status. Guys, this is a public health emergency. And maybe we should have a passport that gets stamped once a week after all your social media posts, private and public, are thoroughly reviewed by some government functionary who will determine if you hold any dangerous thoughts or beliefs. Why not have people with dangerous thoughts and beliefs, why not have them sent to a camp where they can be re-educated? I mean, having people spreading dangerous views is unhealthy for society. So if we care about public health, we can't stop it flattening the curve. We have to slow the spread and we have to wait for the cure. And now we have to wait for what? I don't know. But someday, if we're good boys and girls, the high priests of science will tell us that science has decreed that the great God has been appeased, our ablutions were pleasing, our supplications were heard, our oblations were accepted, and we may now go back to our lives. For now. Why not? Where's the logical endpoint? There is none. We've been lied to over and over, and people have been frightened and cowed into submission. And all the pathetic Gestapo wannabes are scurrying to curry favor with the commissars by denouncing their neighbors so maybe they can earn a few more social credits. The COVID panic is a lie. It's a scam. Yes, COVID is a real disease. Yes, COVID is very dangerous for certain groups of people. Yes, the media and government ran a scare campaign for over a year and used it to seize power and condition people into compliance and create tens of trillions of dollars of debt. Yes, mask mandates are unscientific, obtuse, abstruse, abstract, and absurd. Yes, the people in public health are ruling by whim and caprice. I've said it many, many times, and I'll say it again. COVID is real. COVID is deadly for certain kinds of people. But for a huge number of people, it isn't. And none of this makes any sense. Why have the lockdowns? To protect the vulnerable? Well, why can't the vulnerable just stay home if they want to and let other people do what they want? Because we can't let the hospitals get overrun, except hospitals aren't overrun. All of this was from the people in power, either governors being bullied into trampling civil rights because they were afraid of the press and shame on them, or it was a naked power grab and shame on them. And yes, I'm mad. I'm mad because I have elderly members of my church who don't come and worship and don't receive the sacraments and don't fellowship with believers because they're afraid. I talked to one dear woman this morning, and I love this woman, but she won't come to church because she's scared. She's had the vaccine, both doses, weeks ago. I asked her what has to happen for her to not be scared. She told me she didn't know. 
She's been frightened into missing out on more than a year of worshiping God with her brothers and sisters because the power hungry saw some power they wanted and they grabbed it. Brothers and sisters, my dear Christian brothers and sisters, we need to stop living in fear. Let me let you in on a little secret. And believe me when I say this, that I say this with all the love and compassion and grace I can muster, you're going to die. You will die. And part of being a Christian, in fact, a thing Jesus commands us to do is to consider how we'll die. Will we die courageously or cowardly? Now look, I know that people are afraid. I know that some people's fears have some justifications. But if a COVID will keep you out of church after you've been vaccinated, then the secret police will too. If anything that endangers our life is viewed as a legitimate reason to not worship, then worship in America isn't dying, it's dead. I know that there's a difference between COVID and persecution. I also know that the COVID power grab was all about conditioning people into cowardice. They're not the same thing, but it will be the same method. When the government comes to shut down your church, like is happening in Canada, if you kowtowed and went against your conscience because of COVID, you'll kowtow and betray your conscience when the coppers come. And friends, believe me when I say, I know how angry some of you are at me. Nobody likes to be called a coward. And I don't particularly like calling people cowards because I'm a coward and I don't want people to not like me. But I have to say what I believe is true. I have to say that if we choose to love our lives and the things of this world more than serving God, the church in this country has no future. In closing, let me say that only you know whether you acted in good faith or if you were a coward or worse, a power-hungry thug or worse, a cringing denouncer. Only you know. And in fact, you might not even know. In fact, you might need to get on your knees and ask God to reveal your own heart to you. Only God can see our heart. Our hearts are a mystery to ourselves. Only God knows. Maybe all of us, including me, by the way, including me, I need to ask myself whether I acted rightly and whether I continue to act rightly. But I can't be your conscience. But I will tell you this, that you and I, you'll have to give an account someday as will I. And I seek by God's grace to quit myself in such a way that I will be rewarded as a conqueror and a good and faithful servant who's laid up treasure in heaven and not as one saved as one out of a fire with no crowns to cast before the feet of my Lord or even worse as the man who buried his talent. Only you, and maybe not even you, know whether you acted in good faith and sought to do what was right or whether you were bullied into cowardice or evilly sought power. And only you will have to answer for yourself. I pray, this is my sincere prayer, that we all will learn to grow a little more courageous because the times that are coming are going to demand courageous Christians. I pray we will. I pray we'll live up to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I pray and hope that you'll join us again next week for another exciting episode of Truth and Journalism. Thank you, and may God bless your day to his glory.